Good morning. Can you all hear me okay? Before we do anything else, I'd like you to sit comfortably. I want to play a song to you. Not accustomed to doing this. The words will be on the screen. Okay? Whenever you're ready. Thank you. Everybody look at somebody and tell them, I need you. I need you. Somebody tell them agree with me. Agree with We're me. We're all apart. We're all apart of God's body. It is His will. It is His will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. song a, a lot recently and we'll come back to it a little bit later on but I just wanted to start with it it just made sense to to start there but in a nutshell we need one another and yeah. T's already said and it's great to see a lot of new faces here this morning if you are a visitor you are most welcome amongst us if you're a student visiting the city visiting the church yeah. finding your home well God bless you welcome yeah. to all nations church and we want to extend a really warm welcome to you as a church as T said we have been looking at the area of discipleship, what it means to be a disciple 
of Jesus Christ. And we've looked at the importance of the word and we'll be moving into prayer and evangelism. But right now we're in a season of looking at what it means to be a disciple and what fellowship means to that. Uh, God's unlocking some things for us. One of the most powerful things which I've seen so far is that really to be a disciple, we can best define that as being like an apprentice. Longing to be like the master, being trained up by the master. You think, well, really, you you think you're one day going to become like Jesus? Yes, I do. For when I see him, I'll be like him. Jesus himself said that these things that you see, greater things will you do. And I believe we are in the days of the greater things. Roger, just on the theme of fellowship and being a community, Roger spoke to us very clearly that we are a community of disciples. James shared how we are a household of faith. Last time I was with you, I spoke how the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit himself who is the initiator of fellowship. And Mark spoke excellently about how we are slaves to God, but we are servants of one another. We're here for one another, and we're going to continue this today because we are all disciples of Jesus Christ. If you are a believer here today, you are born again, you've confessed with your mouth, you've believed in your heart that Jesus is Lord, then you have been saved He is your Lord and Savior. You are his child. You are his disciple. Perhaps you've never viewed it in those terms. You've just thought, I'm a Christian. Well, what a wonderful statement that is. But there's a great truth behind it. You are now a disciple of Jesus Christ. And he will not leave you the way you are. He has a great plan for your life. The word has come and we must put it into action. And so today we're just going to add another layer of that today. So are you ready for that? Let's open the Bibles. I hope you have a Bible with you. And if you would, turn to the Gospel of John, please, in chapter 13. I'm going to start in verse 21 and read through to verse 35. The context of where we're going to dive into the Scriptures is that Jesus has just washed the feet of the disciples. He's humbled himself. He's made himself the lowest of the low, the lowest job. And he's about to reveal to his disciples that one of them will betray him. And it says this in verse 21. This is the New Living Translation. Now Jesus was deeply troubled and he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at each other, wondering whom he could mean. The disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table and Simon Peter motioned to him to ask, who's he talking about? So that disciple leaned over to Jesus and asked, Lord, who is it? Jesus responded, It is the one to whom I give the bread I dip in the bowl. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And when Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. And Jesus told him, hurry and do what you are going to do. None of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant. Since Judas was their treasurer, some thought Jesus was telling him to go and pay for the food or to give money to the poor. So Judas left at once, going out into the night. And Jesus watches Judas go to the door. The door opens. Judas leaves. Verse 31. As soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, The time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. And God will be glorified because of him. And since God receives glory because of the Son, he will soon give glory to the Son. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me. But you can't come where I'm going. So now, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. 
So simple. Love one another. So simple. It's a visible action for the world to see. By this, the world will know that you are my disciples. Conversely, when we don't love one another, the world has no clue that the church of Jesus Christ exists. But if we are to prove to the world who we really are, the church, the body, his disciples, it's proved this way, love one another. That's how the world will see. Judas had left. Jesus' timings aren't just kind of lucky. They're deliberate. He knew who was going to betray him. I'm always astounded that the disciples don't pick up on the biggest clue. Who's it going to be? Whoever I give this bread to. He gives the bread to Judas. What's that about? We still don't know who's going to betray Jesus. The one I gave the bread to. But Judas wasn't privy to certain things. He certainly wasn't privy to this new commandment. And he wasn't uh, aware of all that Jesus began to share. And if you read on through John 14, 15, 16, you'll read that Jesus has this great expectation. He knows the Holy Spirit is about to come. John 14, the comforter, he's going to come alongside you. John 16, it's better for you that I go. And this big discourse about who the Holy Spirit is and what he's going to accomplish and why he needs to come. And Judas knows nothing about it. His timings, the Lord's timings are perfect. He had no idea. And he gives them a new command, not an old commandment, not a don't do this, thou shalt not, don't do this. It's a do. It's a love one another. It doesn't follow perhaps the rules and traditions of the day. It doesn't follow any pharisaical teaching. It's not a teaching of man. It comes from deep within the heart of Jesus Christ. Love one another. And note the second part, because this is so important. It says this, now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. That's so important. Love each other. Okay, I can do that. No, 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 no. Just as I have loved you, love each other. He sets the standard. He sets the example. I don't know if uh, you've ever come, uh, come across this, parents, but if I was to say to my children, when we get in, let's take off your shoes and let's go into the house. And so they register the sentence. And they get into the house. And they will loosen the laces and loosen the Velcro and then... And the shoe can fly. And suddenly light bulbs are legitimate targets. And scuff marks are on the walls. What are you doing? I'm taking off my shoes. No, 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 no. Take off your shoes just as I would take off my shoes. So you should take off your shoes. Put them away. Not looking at my wife. Put them away. I, I will try and put them away. Put your shoes away. None of this kind of self-interpretation. Oliver, can you go and tidy your room? Absolutely. 30 seconds later, he's back downstairs. I thought you tidied your room. I did. What does that mean? Everything is hidden under a duvet. (laughs) No. No. Tidy your room just as your mother would. Tidy your room. You have to sometimes set parameters. It's not enough to kind of say, do this, and expect people to understand immediately what you mean. And Jesus is very clear. Love one another, full stop. Uh, uh, no, before you even say anything, Peter, before you say anything, just as I have loved you, love one another. So how does Jesus love? Well, what a question. With totality, faithfulness, 
with holy completeness, with grace, with love, with lavishing blessings upon his children. We could just go on an endless list, and when I would tell you this, it would be a worthy and great Bible study for us to contemplate all the ways that Jesus loves us and put them into this statement of just as I have loved you, so you should love one another. But we don't have time for that today. But I would just like to show you one example of how Jesus loves and give you one thing that we can take away that by this, the world will know that we are his disciples. Amen? So hopefully you're still in the book of John. And if you turn right to the front of the book of John to chapter 1 and verse 35. John chapter 1 and verse 35. The following day, John, this is John the Baptist, was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look! There's the Son of God! There's the Lamb of God! And when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Jesus replied, come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We've found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. And looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethesda, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached Jesus, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel. A man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus said to him, do you believe this just because I told you that I've seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Let's stop there. There's a great pace to the gospel. There's announcements. There's the Lamb of God. This one goes and finds this one. This one is called. How does Jesus love us? He loves us for who we really are. I want to show you that from this scripture. He loves us for all that we are, but he loves us for all that we will become. There's something about Jesus Christ when he meets the disciples. He's always pointing them forwards. He always makes the decision to look at them and to talk to them in the light of who they will become. I like this. He looks at Peter and he says this in verse 42. Looking intently at Peter. He says, you are Simon, but you will be Peter. Church, Jesus looks at you intently. And he doesn't see you in the same way that you see yourselves. He doesn't see you with your failings that you think of, with your mistakes that you've made. He doesn't see you in the light of fault. He doesn't see you in the light of culture. He doesn't see you in the light of race, creed, ethnicity, none of that at all. He sees you in the light of your calling and he calls you as you really are, sons of the living God. 
He sees you like that and he's looking at each one of us intently this morning. You may be this in your own eyes, but you will be like this. Jesus is always pointing us to the bigger and to the better and to forward and not looking back and your sins are forgiven and you're a new creation and go forward because that's where I see you. That's what he has for us. His reference point for the disciples, his reference point for us is this, who we are in Jesus Christ. It always is. He looks at us intently. He studies us. He could begin to say, yeah, I can call it exactly where you are right now, but that's not my love towards you. My love is to see you in the light of who you will become. If you will only follow me. So church, come and see this Jesus Christ. He sees the real Peter. He knows what Peter's going to do. He knows about Peter's temper. He knows about Peter's tendency to maybe blurt out the wrong thing. He knows about Peter's anger. He knows that Peter carries a sword. He knows that Peter's going to deny him in but a few years' time. But he doesn't start with that. No. He says, you are going to be Peter. You're going to be a rock. Amen. Amen. That's always his starting point. It's the same with Nathaniel. Nathaniel's walking towards him, and depending on your translation, he says, Ah, here's a true son of Israel, in whom there is no deceit, a man of no guile, a man of complete integrity. He chooses to see him. Well, we've met Nathaniel just a few verses back. We know, I know from reading this, Nathaniel's got some issues. Can anything good come from Nazareth? The man's prejudiced. The man's got an attitude problem. The man's got a quick tongue. Now, Jesus knows all this, but it's not his starting point with him. Nathaniel, stop there, 50 yards in the distance. I want to point out a few things before you can come any further. No, here's a man of complete integrity. Here's a man come towards me. He welcomes him in. That's how Jesus treats us. That's got to be how we treat one another. He sees beyond. You see... Jesus came down, and I'm so grateful, I'm sure you are. He came right down into the mess that I was in, and he lifted me out of that mess. But he loves me far too much to leave me in that position. He sees me greater. He called me as a son, as a child of God. And his word comes into my life, and if I will work with it, it will take me towards it. Because that's how Jesus sees me and each and every one of you. That's the truth of your life. You are called of God. No one, not one of us, a mistake. Not one of us, an accident. Not one of us saved just to fill a seat. Not one of us saved just to get a ticket to eternal destinations. No, each one saved for purpose because Ephesians 2 says this. We are his workmanship, his masterpiece. There's a job for us to do, folks. He's called us to that end. And Nathaniel asks a great question, doesn't he? Well, how do you know me? Jesus from Nazareth? How, How did you know about me? That's a valid question, I think. We could ask the same question. Jesus replies, I saw you. How do you know me? I saw you. How did Jesus love him? He saw him by the Spirit under the fig tree. Everything of Nathanael was revealed to Jesus Christ. Nothing took him by surprise. He knew him by the Spirit. Not he knew his faults, he, he, knew his, he did know those, but he didn't hold them against No, he knew him by the Spirit, and so he could call him out and say, this is where I see you going. You will see greater things. He knew him by the Spirit. He saw him and he knew him. You see, seeing as God sees is so important. 
having his perspective on a circumstance, on a situation, but just in life, seeing from God's perspective is so important. You'll know these scriptures, but 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. That's how we live. That's not seeing with our natural eyes. We see as God sees. And even when we can't see with our natural eyes, but God's telling us to go, we live by faith and we step out in faith. Amen? Amen. Paul prays this in Ephesians 1, that the eyes of your heart, not your natural eyes, would be enlarged or enlightened. The eyes of your heart would be enlightened. We're not called to live by a natural sight. We're called to live by a spiritual sight because we are spiritual beings. That's who we really are. And then all the world will know that you are my disciples when you love one another. So how can we love one another like this? When we know and when we see one another by the Spirit. When we know and we see one another for who we really are. See, that's true fellowship. That's true fellowship is by the Holy Spirit. James, just a few weeks ago, spoke to us and said that fellowship is not something that we do. It's not having a meal together. We're going to have fellowship. No, fellowship is something we have. It's something we share. It's by the Holy Spirit. Last time I was with you, I told you that the Holy Spirit is the one who initiates fellowship. Fellowship is a Holy Spirit word. You won't read about it in your Bibles until the Holy Spirit has come. And then in the context of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit pouring himself out and then 3,000 being added, it says, and they devoted themselves to fellowship. It's a Holy Spirit word. True fellowship is only by the Holy Spirit. We have it. It's just something we have. Just like it's reflected in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Perfect fellowship, sharing it all the time. Not, no need for schedules and diaries and the Holy Spirit saying to the Son of God, we should really sit down for a meal sometime and catch up. Let's have fellowship. You know, God, uh, has anyone, Jesus, have you seen the Holy Spirit? No, no, I've not seen him for a while. Man, we, we should get together. We should go bowling, have some fellowship. Really? It doesn't exist like that in the God. It's perfect, shared life all the time. That's what we have by His Holy Spirit. Let me turn you to another scripture, if I can, in 2 Corinthians and chapter 5. Two verses. So we are going to jump in at verse 16. Verse 16. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. What does that mean? From a spiritual point of view. We see as God sees. We love as Jesus loves. There's the parameters for our sight. We regard no one from a worldly point of view, but we see everyone how God sees us. We are new creations. We are alive with Christ. We are spiritual beings. That's what it means. We are Holy Spirit filled. Have you noticed that? We're spiritual beings. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit lives in me. The Spirit reveals all things. That's why sometimes I can, be, I can watch something and it looks good and it looks great and plausible. But in my spirit I think something's not right. It's how sometimes I can uh, be in a conversation or I can be listening to something and think, Oh, that sounds okay, plausible, it makes sense. But in my spirit you just detect 
something's not right there. The Spirit guides you into all truth. It shows you and reveals truth behind things. We are spiritual beings. We know one another by the Spirit. Roger, uh, a few months back, talked about how in a community of disciples, we stand shoulder to shoulder, back to back, eye to eye, but also heart to heart. We're to know one another by the Spirit. You see, that's why in this community of believers, I have to stop regarding you from a worldly point of view. I have to stop looking at you like the world sees. Faults, mistakes, blames, race, creed, color, ethnicity, whatever it is. I can't look at you how the world would look at you. And God wants to shatter boxes. Instead, I'm called to see you as Jesus sees you. I'm called to know you how he knows you. I'm called to love you, not how I would love you in the natural, but how he does love you. How he has loved you. That's the standard. They are the parameters. By the Spirit. I met a wonderful young man. He came to the Bible school last year. Some of you uh, will have met him. uh, He lives long in the memory. His name was Shane Foley. Absolute firebrand for Jesus Christ. And he helped me out immeasurably in the area of particularly of evangelism and just on the streets. Because I would go and do the outreach and we were in a, a situation in Kefili. And just handing out bottles of water and offering to pray with folk and standing there with my bottle of water. And uh, I see the guy coming out of the betting shop. And he's heavy set, he's got full on tattoos, canalago in his hand. I'm thinking, that's one for Shane. I know you don't do that, but I'm just revealing my heart. I'm being honest. That, one, that, that one's for Shane. Yeah, I'm just going to... Afternoon. No. Move along. Nothing for you. He's even got the water. I don't know. Water? No. No. No bottle of water. And so he would get to Shane, and I would just watch as Shane would just, hello, engage. And I won't do my impersonation of Shane, but I just can't help it sometimes. Because the guy's just passionate about Jesus Christ. And he would just begin to talk about how Jesus loves him. And I watched this guy on the street just engaging with people. People that I thought, man alive, I've got nothing in common with them from a worldly point of view. But then what happened was this. is two sweet old ladies came out of the news agents. And I thought, yes. <laughs> I got this. Yeah. Click, click. All right, come on. Bottle of water, free chocolate. Okay, here we go. Good afternoon, ladies. It's wonderful to see you. Oh, I'm so sorry, young man. We're just in a rush. Oh, polite. No problem. It's okay. Just want you to know we're at church. Da, 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 da. Go through my pattern. But they're, they're moving on. No problem. Man, really thought they'd be mine. They move towards Shane. And Shane just does this. They're walking by. And Shane just goes, Ladies! Hello, young man. Ladies, let me tell you about Jesus. He's right here in Revelation. And he just begins to open up his mouth and talk. And he's got these two ladies in the palm of his hand. And he's got this heavyset guy with the can of beer. Heavy just in his hand. And I'm thinking, God, what is this about? And it's because this, I regard everyone from a worldly point of view. And I put people in boxes of, oh no, you, I can talk to those people. I've got something in common with those people. I've got nothing in common with those guys. And well, maybe a little bit in common with those guys. But, you know, and, and Shane has no boxes. Shane has a passion for Jesus Christ. And he sees one and he sees another. And he sees everyone as a candidate for salvation today in the here and now. 
And I think, wow, God, help me to stop looking at people from a worldly point of view, but to see them as you see them, to see them as just people who are lost, people who are adrift and who need an anchor for their soul, a rock under their feet and a savior into their life. See, when we see people like that, it doesn't matter if God gives you a name to bring to a crusade or not, you'll just go out on the streets and say, whoever can hear my voice. We've got to stop regarding people from a worldly point of view. But that's not just for outside. It's in here. It's in here. And God is in the business of smashing up worldly boxes. Educational boxes. I'm a student. I'm not a student anymore. I can't talk to you. I can't come to the student lunch. I can't talk to you. No, all that sort of stuff. You know, businessman. I'm not a businessman. I can't talk to you. I'm from Nigeria. Well, I'm from Bradford. I can't talk to you. What have we got? You know, it's like things like this. Think, what is that? Worldly point of view. Earthly boxes. No, no, no. Just as I have loved you, love one another. I am called to see the Christ in each and every single one of you. If you are a believer in Him, my viewpoint to you has changed. It's no longer worldly. It's no longer earthly. I'm to see that you are those who have been made alive with Christ. Your sins have been forgiven. You are new creations. The old has gone and the new has come. You are children of the Most High God. And if I am to uh, regard you in any subject less than that, I'm you doing you and the cross a disservice. No longer from a worldly point of view. That is the standard of our sight. It's his point of view. Amen. Very good. Am I saying we're all perfect? No. You're saying I'm perfect? Yeah. No. But you know what? That's not the point. In the light of who we are in Jesus Christ. In seeing you, in seeing me, where God really wants to take us. When we see from that perspective, we very clearly see what is out of joint with that. And a word of love can come and correct that. Correct that. But when we have that point of view, we'll see issues in our own character that need adjusting anyway. Okay? We're all disciples becoming like the master. Which brings me back to that song at the start. It means this. I can no longer, and I must not, any longer regard any one of you from a worldly point of view. It means this, my fellow disciples, I will not harm you with words from my mouth. I will not harm you with words from my mouth. I'm called to know you by the Spirit and not by the flesh. I'm called to see you as Jesus sees you and not as the world sees you. I'm called to see you how God sees you, not outwardly, but inwardly. See the heart. I'm called to love you, not how I would love you, how the world would demonstrate its love towards you, but how Jesus does and continues to love you and always has loved you. That's how I must love you. I will not harm you with words from my mouth. It means this in practical terms. And this is where we can take something now from the word. Here's what it means, one to another, okay? Heart to heart, shoulder to shoulder, back to back, a community of disciples. It means with my words, I won't trample you down. 
I'll encourage you. It means I won't gossip about you. It means I'll defend you. It means I won't listen or entertain gossip. Instead, I'm going to watch your back. It means I won't talk you down to others. It means I'm going to celebrate you. It means I won't pull you back with my words, but I'm going to spur you on with my words. It means I won't expose your failings and mistakes. It means that I will cover you with my words because love covers. That's what it means. From his point of view, I will not harm you with words from my mouth. Jesus could have taken Nathaniel down, reduced Peter to nothing. He could have. He knew everything about them. But he saw beyond that. He knew them. He loved them. His reference point for them was always their destiny. That must be my reference point for you. It's not who you are in the natural mistakes, all that sort of stuff. No. Worldly point of view. Earthly boxes, shattering those. I need to love you. I'm called to love you. You're called to love me. Let's make, it about, let's make it about me. You're called to love me. How Jesus loves me. I'm called to love you. How Jesus loved you. We're to do the same. Discipleship, community, fellowship. We're called to do the same. To know one another by the Spirit. To love one another as Jesus loved discipleship, to be like the master, becoming like him in every way, to love as Jesus loved. A new commandment I give you, love one another just as I have loved you, so you should love one another. Just have to take a look around. As Christ loves everyone in here, so we must love one another. True fellowship, what we have, it's what we have. So we just schedule it, it's what we have. Is fully realized when we'll love as Jesus loves. Amen. When we know one another by the Spirit and see one another as he sees us. So be mindful of one another. Speak well of us. Amen. Speak well of us. Amen. Verse 35 we read at the start in John 13. For by this the world will know. Amen. That you are my disciples. Really? So simple. Express the love of Jesus Christ to one another. For by this, the world will know that you are my disciples when you love one another. Heavenly Father, we want to say thank you for your word. We want to say thank you for all that you are revealing to us and opening us to, Father. Lord Jesus, we say we are your disciples. So, Lord Jesus, we are learning all the time. But Heavenly Father, I thank you that you don't see us how we see or how the world sees us. But Lord God, you see us in light of eternity. You see us in light of calling and destiny. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you, Lord God, that your word has come. And I pray now, Lord Jesus, that it would cut to the heart and each one of us would take to heart now, Lord God, that sense of no longer regarding one another from a worldly point of view but putting this into action with immediacy that we will love one another just as you as loved us. We will love one another that the world would know that we are your disciples. We say to you, Lord Jesus, be all the praise and all the glory. We thank you for this word. We commit it to you, Lord God. We say we will be faithful hearers and doers of your word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen.